This is Business Impact, a podcast series from UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. I'm your host, Emmett Oliver, and each episode, I'll be joined by world-renowned faculty from across the College of Business, as well as international industry leaders who will offer us insight, spark curiosity, and challenge you to rethink how you do business in a changing world. Welcome to another episode of Business Impact and we talk of rampant global inflation and at the time of recording, I emphasise, talk of war in the East. Those managing money these days must be nervous and in many ways they have rights to be. Bond yields are rising rapidly and the main global share index, the S&P 500, has taken a big hammering so far this year down over 6% and it could possibly get worse from there. So it's not necessarily an easy time to be a money manager. But what is that life like at any time? We often use the phrase market participants on this podcast, but what does that mean? Who are these market participants? What do they do? What is their life like? And what is their office and work culture like too? And what does the phrase money markets really mean in the year 2022? Well, today we get to hear firsthand from somebody in that world. I'm glad to say some of these questions will be answered during this conversation we're going to have for the next half an hour. My London-based guest is UCD Smurfit and UCD Quinn graduate and a money manager or as the trade likes to say, a portfolio manager with J.P. Morgan Asset Management. She holds that role at J.P. Morgan for many years, where she's worked for over 20 years. She's also a member of the influential Bank of England Money Markets Committee and the ECB's Money Market Contact Group, which is a forum that helps kind of interaction between the ECB and industry professionals involved in the money markets. And that guest is Irish woman and native Dubliner, Olivia Maguire, who also happens to be our recent UCD Alumni Award winner. So you're very welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Hi, Emmett. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Yes, as I said in the intro, Olivia, it's a very interesting period. When is it not, says you, in, in money markets? We'll go into a little bit about uh, your role, what it's like to work in the industry. Um, a lot of our students are very fascinated by this world. They'd like to enter this world. They, they find it exciting. They find it very different to some other disciplines that they're studying at the university. So there's a real interest and and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But let me first pick up that award that you recently won from our alumni who don't give out these awards easily and they they look at what the person has contributed and so on. What did it mean to you to to receive uh, such an award? The awards are such a great way to give recognition to the university alumni. And I've loved following the outstanding achievements of all of those who've won since they were put together and and started in 2014. So to be a part of that myself and hopefully to be a role model to others coming behind me was really an unexpected but huge and great honour. To be included in that same group as, as those that I look up to, I couldn't really have anticipated that. And I'm very grateful to UCD for the award and the recognition And also for how much I learned and how prepared I was for my journey um, as I as I went through life and my working career. And I'm very proud at how the university and its staff and alumni continue to produce such outstanding achievements across a breadth of disciplines. One of the reasons you were picked out for the award is just that the scale of responsibility you have in your role, you manage a very large portfolio, it's believed to be worth or valued at over $40 billion. So you're really at the heart of the global financial markets and the global money markets. But let's go back a little bit before you kind of entered that world. Like anyone listening in of our student body, you were 
a graduate of UCD Business School and then you went on to do something at Smurfit, but you were living in Dublin a long way from the world you're in now. How did you kind of make your journey from those beginnings right up to the level of seniority in the money markets that you're in nowadays? Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey, actually. So I am from Dublin, but when I was doing my master's, I got an opportunity to move out to BlackRock as a residence assistant. So that was the, the first furore into uh, to living away from home. And when I finished my master's in 1998, I applied to join the technology graduate program at JP Morgan. Some others on my course at university, so my bachelor's degree, had joined the firm the previous year. And I thought it sounded great and that it would be super cool to have a JP Morgan email address. So, you know, I wasn't really at the time hugely aware of what an investment bank or an asset management was, an asset manager was. Um, so I was, you know, I just thought I want to work in technology because my master's was the, had a management of information systems slant to it. And, you know, I applied to, to various firms. You know, today I see the students coming in and, and they're so knowledgeable about the industry and, and what's available to them and the relevant internships. And they've got, you know, lots of experience behind them. You know, it's really competitive. Um, and I'm in awe of how um, how they've, they're very prepared and, and they know what they want. But for me, I was accepted on the graduate scheme at JP Morgan. So I left Ireland and came to London to begin my career. It was due to be a a two-year journey. Um, I promised my mum I'd be back in a couple of years. And and here I am, uh, still uh, over 20 years later. But I was working in technology for about five and a half years. And I was looking for a new challenge. So I was searching the internal intranet for open jobs and I saw a role for a fixed income portfolio manager at JP Morgan Asset Management. And very critically, the role description actually said no experience necessary, which I think is a very forward looking way of, of writing a role description. And the manager had written it in this way because he was open to hire someone that he could mold into the role. So I went for the job, obviously, with my technology background. Um, I hadn't direct experience in investing or in fixed income, but I was able to draw on some of the things that I'd learned through my degree and through my master's as well. So, you know, that that really stood to me. Now, I didn't get the role. I was down, got down to the last two candidates and someone with prior experience did get the role. However, three months later, Somebody else had left in the team. At that stage, I'd interviewed for other roles and was actually due to move to New York with a technology role, which was super exciting. Um, But as I said, somebody had left the portfolio management team. The hiring manager got back in touch. And that conversation eventually led me to joining asset management instead of relocating to the US. You were saying that, you know, technology was the slant you'd followed before that and you weren't you weren't a a professional investor or you weren't versed in that world initially how long did it take you to sort of pick up the dynamic of of, of investing like did it take you a long time or, or did the bank sort of give you the support you needed and you were you were up and running pretty quickly so i mean i think any role is always a journey you start and you don't have much experience or knowledge but you're given that support you're given that training you absorb and 
information from those around you. You read a lot. You have to do exams in order to be able to speak to clients or uh, invest. Um, you need to be registered with the with the relevant regulatory authorities. So there's a lot of support system around you to get you up to speed. Unless you've got experience, nobody's going to be in there and 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 be able to you know do everything on on day one. But it's being open to learning. It's being able to mold yourself into the role. And I think that's why the the manager you know was looking for somebody who didn't have experience because he wanted people to come without any preconceptions about what the role involved or how to do it um, and to to really learn on the job. So the support was there in order to do that. Uh, you get more responsibility over time as as you become more experienced. Sure, and in the information overload at times on somebody in that profession is is a tough life in this in the sense that you've got so much financial data passing your way in front of your eyes and making decisions on the back of it is is one of the key challenges. In terms of advice for somebody who would like to become an asset manager or enter the money markets generally in whatever, whether it's shares or bonds or commodities or you know, even other other assets of various descriptions. I mean, we have obviously a lot of interest from people who are in the crypto world as well. So in terms of people who want to enter this world and you've been there, you've been a student, you've been a graduate, you've made that leap over. Is there particular things you'd pick out that they should have or particular characteristics or what What would you say to someone who'd say, I'd love to do that type of job? What What would be your advice to them? And I know you haven't been in that situation for a long time now, but Nevertheless, I'd say you have some insights. Yeah, I, I think there's attributes that are relevant for all types of jobs. You know, be curious, be willing to learn and develop. Always try and challenge yourself and be open to others challenging your opinion as well. It, obviously, as an asset manager, being analytical is, is, is quite important. Being comfortable with numbers. But that doesn't mean you know having a master's in mathematics. Um, because you also need to be able to uh, write well uh, and also read quite a lot of research. So, you know, it's numbers, it's reading, it's writing. It's also being confident, yet having uh, humility at the same time and being able to communicate in all directions, below, above, to clients, uh, to your peers. So, you know, a lot of those skills, I think, are probably relevant regardless of, of what role you pick out and say, you know, what are the skills for, for these? But um, the analytical and, and numbers and having conviction in, in your opinions is, is something perhaps that's most relevant in asset management. So it's been able to put together an argument, you know, or a case or, or, or uh, you know, that, that sort of um, those sort of skills, it sounds like, is what you're highlighting. Yes, analysing a lot of data and forming an opinion as to what, how you want to invest. Obviously, that has to be in line with the objectives of the fund and, and what clients have bought, you know, for the reasons that they've bought the fund and the objectives of the fund. Uh, but it's it's also then you know, having the conviction in those opinions and communicating it um, and you know, keeping up to date with everything that's going on. Now, the other thing I want to ask you about, Olivia, is is just the shape, look, of the financial services industry, particularly in the UK, which is obviously a lot larger than, than, than the, uh, the ecosystem we have here in Dublin. So when you look at London, obviously, I was looking at some research recently. The Bank of England, for example, has never had a female governor, for instance. Um, we do have the stereotyped image of the <laughs> the square mile, you know, the the, um, 
the briefcases and all these men walking around in top hats. You know, there's a certain stereotyping, which clearly is decades old, but it has lingered on. Uh, um, what do you think of how we are doing in terms of diversity and financial services in, in the UK in particular? I mean, you're more close to it than I would be. So is there real signs of progress in changing that profile? Or are we still kind of on a bit of a slow progress curve? I think that any company or industry needs to continually involve in order to best serve the needs of their clients and their stakeholders. So financial services is no different. And we've we've certainly seen financial services evolve over the past few years. And, and that seems to, to have more focus uh, as well. The entire industry is pushing for more diversity and clients are expecting that as well of the firms who run their money. So we're responding by building the most inclusive teams with cognitive diversity integrated at every step of the way. We want our teams to be as diverse as the clients we serve. And I think it's important to think diversity across all of the different factors that can be included and that may be gender it it could be cognitive diversity it could be other aspects of diversity but from a from a firm point of view we have three clear goals for inspiring and maintaining an inclusive culture the first is accountability so holding everybody accountable and for us that means incorporating diversity and inclusion priorities and progress into year-end performance evaluations The next would be recruiting, so maintaining a focus on hiring diverse talent across all categories in all regions. And diversity can mean different things in different regions as well. And finally, retention, increased focus on retaining the diverse talent. For example, one way we do this is through inspiring conversations with our business resource groups who are focused on the different aspects of diversity, one of which is our Women on the Move program focused specifically on gender. Now, you have an intriguing program, which is the Men as Ambassadors program. Can you explain, first of all, what that is and and what that kind of um, role or contribution that can make to some of the things you're talking about? Sure. So this is one of the examples of a Women on the Move program. And as I said, Women on the Move is JP Morgan Chase's commitment to provide women with opportunities to succeed in their personal and professional lives. So the Women on the Move Asset Management Men as Ambassadors program is just one of the initiatives that they've set up. This particular program seeks to really build allyship in providing advocates and mentorship for women employees to aid their career growth specifically. And through this program, the male ambassadors who are at a senior level learn more about the work experience for women and that lived experience of of working within a financial firm and find ways to be an ally. They find ways to promote that allyship and knowledge as well across their teams. So so they're feeding this experience down to their teams um, while serving as a mentor to these mid-level women um, in order to secure an equal future really for all. And then as a partner, I was a partner on the Male as Ambassadors program. Um, So, as a partner, I'm tasked with proving accountability for the the senior male ambassadors and also acting as a sounding board for them about the program. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. I haven't heard much of that in banking before. So, that's an interesting progressive turn. Also, you mentioned there 
the different types of diversity. We've obviously got gender diversity, racial and ethnic diversity, age, social background. There's all forms of diversity, but my ears pricked up when you talked about cognitive diversity. Can you just briefly give us an idea? What, what, what does that mean? It sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's it's diversity of thoughts. And, you know, to use the term that I used in the last answer, it's lived experience as well. So the diversity of lived experience, how people approach situations differently based on how their cognitive wiring is and also you know, their, their lived experiences over time. Some of that may be being educated at a different school from somebody else or growing up in a, in a different country or a different environment. Um, it may be being part of the army or being an elite athlete um, and, you know, how you develop your approach to tasks and issues because of that background. And we have a, a very successful VETS program, which which hires veterans. Um, and also that's been extended out in, in the UK now to elite, elite athletes as well, which, which has been for some time in our US locations. So, you know, I think diversity of thought is actually really key to, to the whole underlying diversity thematic. Brilliant. I mean, that, that kind of goes back to the start of my original question, which is is how the square mile in London was perceived with the bowler hats and so on. You're coming at it from so many different angles there, um, cognitively, as you said, in professional profile with athletes and ex-members of the services. That's really interesting. So, so something there for everybody, really different kind of perspectives getting into the one room. It has to be a good thing. I think one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you as well, Olivia, is just a lot of our students are, as I said earlier, very interested in asset management you know, you're managing a portfolio of over $40 billion. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of activity. And I'm sure it takes a lot of energy to make your way through your typical day. I did mention in the intro, you know, some of the darker clouds that are over us in the sky at the moment. Inflation is is very much on the rise, as hot as some of uh, the market traders are saying in the US, Europe and in other locations as well. And we have this whole Ukraine situation, which at the time of recording was in a bit of a a strange lull, but some people uh, have been foreboding about what might lie ahead there. So you've got to keep an eye on all these geopolitical developments and you've got, I'm sure, you know, your Bloomberg machine and, and all your other technological machinery you have to use as part of your job are, are buzzing away throughout the day. Can you give us any idea for our listeners what a sort of a typical day looks like for somebody in a role like your own? Like what, what's what's the kind of the rhythm and the dynamic of the day and, and Talk us a little bit about the, the flows of the energy during the day and what, what, what kind of makes up a typical working day for a, for, for a senior asset manager in London these days. Sure. Well, the day-to-day specificities of an asset manager role probably are quite highly dependent on the asset class that you're managing. But you certainly need to be very aware of, of global events and, and what's happening because everything can have a knock-on impact even um, on... For instance, I'm I'm a sterling portfolio manager, but data releases in the US can can move our markets as well, um, as as we saw with inflation numbers last night. So in my case, I run short dated fixed income funds or money market funds um, or cash funds in a way. And it means that they have a really high proportion of very short investments, which need to be constantly managed and reinvested on a daily basis. So I am looking at uh, trading every day, whereas perhaps somebody with a fund who has a 
longer duration or perhaps investments that they hold for a longer period of time may not be trading in the same way on a, on a daily basis. But as I said, you know, managing the fund is about being up to speed with market events and data, knowing the latest research on the names you're buying, speaking and meeting with clients, interacting with your risk teams, discussing market-wide topics with regulators or industry associations, for example, attending the, the Bank of England Money Market Committee meeting or the Sonia Stakeholder Advisory Group that the Bank of England also have, or the ECB's money market contact group as well. So, you know, it's it's a really interesting job. You're learning a lot about uh, a lot of different things throughout your career and 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 daily as well. And and it's just really interesting, you know, we're 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 paid to learn about uh what's going on in the world and and react to that. And I mean, you you mentioned a number of different economic indicators that would be kind of trigger you off during your day like so so is it inflation is it election results is it changes of government is it brexit is it covid like what what, what's sort of a a big red letter event for somebody that's managing the kind of portfolio you're mentioning is is it sort of the bank of england interest rate decision or the federal reserve are they the days that you, you can expect to be additionally busy so i mean all of these events will will have an impact on the world globally and and on financial markets in the short-term money market space, we are investing out to approximately one year. So for sure, the, the direction of central bank rates is really important for our investments. So we, we are central bank watching. And then for central banks, price stability is obviously their, their core tenant. So, you know, it's... It, it, inflation in other words as as you mentioned at the top and the the inflation picture has got so dramatic i suppose we're not really used to those of us who aren't dealing with everyday inflation hasn't been in the news really for you could argue for decades really um so so i mean obviously it's in the news in your world every day but for the rest of us so has that been a strange change in your your work profile really that suddenly inflation has roared in in both both Europe and the US, and, and obviously bond yields are, are rising in a number of countries, including in Ireland. Is that sort of a big change at the moment, or is it just kind of business as usual? You know, the, the, these things always are moving. They're, they're very dynamic on a 24-hour basis. Or, or do you those wider trends, when they suddenly are very dramatic, does that change sort of the, the, the way you and your team operate? Well, markets always go in cycles. So, you know, you have rising rate environments and falling rate environments. And having experience of both throughout your career is, is obviously you know, part of being an experienced market participant. Um, I think that price stability is always key for the central banks. So inflation is always at the heart of, of their decisions, whether, whether it's high or low. So, you know, it's, it's, right now we're in a high inflationary period. It's driven by by global drivers in some sense, but it's medium-term inflation that we need to look at. So where will inflation be in two to three years' time rather than where is it today? Um, because that's the most important thing for, for price stability and to, to keep interest rate peaks um, as low as possible. Now, Olivia, you were talking earlier on a little bit about cognitive diversity, and I'm going to talk a little bit about cognitive space. I'm, I'm just conscious of even before we set up this episode, you know, we had to make sure that you weren't, uh, <laughs> various decisions in the market weren't going to interrupt and intrude upon the podcast. So 
you have an enormous amount of alerts. You have an enormous amount of things that come your way electronically. I can only imagine that one of your biggest challenges is an information overload. You're almost drowning in information. You could be reading all day, I suppose, research reports and notes from various brokers and finance houses and banks and so on. I'm sure even internally, your own organization produces a lot of literature for reading that will inform your investment decisions. So how do you kind of stream out the unnecessary or filter out the stuff you don't need and, and get to the nuggets that really matter in your decision making and in your portfolio management skills? Like what what is there? Have you kind of learned that as an art over the years where you've kind of gone, look, these are the four or five information sources that I really need, these less so? Or how, how do you kind of prioritize what flows into you every day? Is, is there a is there a structure or is it just kind of um, you've learned by doing it over the years? I mean, I've heard it said actually recently that about 80% of the world's data has been created in the last couple of years, which is phenomenal when you think of it. You know, we are, as you say, inundated with data and it's ensuring that we use all of the tools at our disposable at our disposal to to find ways to continue to concentrate on the most pertinent and relevant you know and that's not exactly saying well you know these are the only things i read and i don't read anything else because as i said earlier you have to be constantly challenging challenging yourself and and uh being as informed as possible i think in a way differentiation of role helps with um sorting out information you know, in terms of that, you know, we, we have a very distinguished difference between a research analyst and a portfolio manager um, within within our world. So there'll be a different level of detail that, that each role may may need in terms of um, the, the knowledge that they need to have about um, or the depth of knowledge that they need to have on, on each subject. But also perhaps using tools such as python for instance which i i learned a, a few months ago to, to help you manage the data that you're getting through and give you an edge with analyzing that and um you know so that you're automating a lot more of the the management of of the data that you're getting through and i think as well with with uh, technology that's an enabler in terms of perhaps highlighting, especially from the trading side of things, um, you know, highlighting the the best opportunities that the market's offering at that point in time. Now, a lot of the the portrayals of money management or, or trading, which is a slightly different thing, but money and portfolio management, it, it tends to be described at least in you know the bonfire of the vanities type of world of the bond trader very highly adrenalized high energy high risk sometimes now you're obviously managing a bond portfolio which is a different port a different kind of profile but nevertheless that there is a big debate about different um, asset management functions different trading strategies and so on and how you manage a portfolio there's obviously the the um, active trading sort of model and then there's the passive trading model beating an index and so on and there are one or two um, houses that kind of operate the two alongside each other is, is there still a great buzz in just being at the heart of the financial markets or has the machine learning and the artificial intelligence tools almost taken out that excitement or, or, or do you not see it that way? Like what's in terms of what it would have attracted you into this world in the first place, you know, has the kind of the profile of the job with all this technology that's present, has it sort of taken out that 
that human element or, or do you think it's just kind of evolved in a different way? So being part of the asset management industry and, and being a portfolio manager, the primary responsibility is as a fiduciary to our clients and a fiduciary role to invest our clients' money in line with their objectives. So, you know, for me, that's the key to the role and, and that's the excitement in the role is meeting the needs and objectives of our clients and serving them uh, in the best possible way to, to set them up for their future lives and, and for their um, family's future lives. Okay, well, thank you for that. I hope you're buying some Irish government bonds as well as part of your portfolio. We need we need some help at the moment. Uh, we're, we're struggling with inflation like everywhere else. So uh, we, we're running up um, some debts, etc. And all of that in the next few years will be settled out. But it's a fascinating world you're in. Well done on getting to that position. You seem to be managing it very well and you seem to be enjoying it very much. And you're bringing some change internally within the industry, which is very welcome as well. Different world, I think, from back in the 80s and 90s. And that's great to see as well. Money should be managed by all sorts of different types of people with different abilities and outlooks. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Olivia Maguire, it's been great talking to you. Thanks, Emma. It's been great to be here. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode of the UCD Business Impact Podcast, please subscribe to episodes on Apple Podcast or Spotify. We cover a broad range of topics with insights from business leaders around the world, so there's sure to be something there for everyone. I'd like to thank our production team of David Corscadden, Beth Gormley and Mike Liffey. They work tirelessly in the background, sourcing interviewees, editing, promoting episodes and everything in between. I've been your host, Emmett Oliver, and we hope you can join us next time on UCD Business Impact. Music